Hello, welcome to episode 33 of Risk and Reward, the golf podcast from Winning Edge Investments that helps keep you on the right side of the betting ledger. I'm Rod Murray, good to have your company on a pretty special episode. We come to you from the rehab hospital where our expert tips to John Evans is busy getting acquainted with his new hip. That process is coming along well. Luckily for us, it also means that he's had plenty of time for looking at the markets this week to study what is going on in what is one of golf's biggest weeks. Not only will I bring Jay in in just a moment, but we'll talk all things Players' Championship, as well as the South African Ladies' Open. Two pretty disparate tournaments, it has to be said. There's a golf between those two events. Before that, though, we must tip our hat to Winning Edge Investments, purveyors of the best sports and racing advice and education that ensures you bet with your head and not your heart. Apart from golf, Winning Edge is home to some of the best-known racing industry newsletters. More than just tips, they offer education and advice about all aspects of the racing industry and betting. Head to winningedgeinvestments.com, have a poke around, and I'm certain if you've got an interest in that sort of thing, you'll find it both interesting and, if you're sensible, profitable. Speaking of profitable, JE's champing at the bit to jump in this week, and with good reason, I must say, but I'll just get you to hang on for a moment, JE. There's one more bit of administration to take care of. While you're at Winning Edge, head to the Golf Newsletter, sign up to receive all of JE's tips each week, and not only will you get 25% off just for being a podcast listener, but if you sign up for three or 12 months, you get that Winning Edge profit guarantee, which really is quite remarkable. Check all that out at winningedgeinvestments.com. All right, let's get to last week's results. This week's tips... And to do that, we finally need to introduce the man of the moment, John Evans. Jay, we're sitting in a hospital room here. Uh, you're in good spirits, not only because your hip's obviously feeling better, but you had a pretty good week last week as well. Hello, and uh, tell the punters what's going on. Well, thank you, Rod. Um, we did have a great week last week. Uh, we could have found the winner um, in uh, a couple of a couple of the events. We were very close, and uh, but our top. 20 and top 40 bets both made a substantial profit. Um, I think possibly our biggest profit ever uh, from the side bets um, due to uh, tipping uh, Marcus Armitage $11 uh, top 20 um, and uh, numerous other people too numerous to mention, Rod. Um, a little bit like golf, Jay, it strikes me that this this sort of betting journey that you're on, it was just a couple of weeks ago you were saying to me, oh, these top 20 and top 40, I'm not sure about them. We've had a bad run. Things aren't going great. I'm, I might think about dropping off them, and here we are just two weeks later, and it's been uh, particularly profitable. It's a funny old game, isn't it? They're well, both well, funny old games. Well, in actual fact, Rod, I, I was seriously considering um – just going back to the what what had been a, a very successful winning formula for us of finding uh, long price winners five hundred seven hundred eight hundred a thousand dollar winners um, and and albeit that there weren't as many bets um, they, our success rate had been phenomenal so I sent a message out uh, through our system which is incredibly uh, quick and speedy and I said to the subscribers look. Um, what do you think? Do you think I should persist with the top 20 and the top 40 from your perspective? And I got immediately I got three replies back saying, oh, yeah, yeah, keep doing that. We, we, um, we're actually winning at it. Um, sometimes we don't take your advice, but we, we take your tips. <laughs> and, and your tips are keep producing uh, these long-priced uh, place getters. And some, one time we even backed one of your places to win, and I thought, oh, terrific. Okay, they're not smarter than I am. So I decided to continue with it, and, and the very next week we uh, we got up Robbie uh, Shelton at seventeen dollars, and uh, 
uh, and then next week we've had uh, we've had a similar experience with uh, I think we got three top twenties and uh, one top forty tip got up and uh, at at the big odds we we, we recommend and and as a result uh, two hugely profitable weeks despite not tipping the winner. Yeah. And so to put it in perspective, it can be easy to lose track of this, particularly those that might be a bit new at it. We look at the winner's tips that you're giving and there's $1,000 and $700 and $500 chances and then you look at the top 20 ones and it's $17 and it sort of sounds really short. If you backed a horse to win at $17, J.E., and it got up, you would be over the moon, wouldn't you? They are outrageous odds in terms of general betting. Well, this week is even uh, more exciting, I think, for the perspective of those people who follow those... uh, the top 20 and top 40 picks because the market has determined, and they may well be correct, uh, my, my first gut feeling of this week was that a favourite is likely to win. You're talking uh, about the players here? The- I'm talking about the players who one would, re- rec- you know, uh, accept that probably are a big chance. People like Rory and uh, DJ and uh, Fowler and Leishman are guys who are in form, and, uh, and, but they're very, very short. And what that's meant is because there's about 25 of them who are under 50 to 1, the rest of the market, and, and a market's always developed to 100%, so once you get to 100%, the market, in effect, discounts the possibility of all the other 100 players. Mm-hmm. So as a result, um, I've got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. I've got 11 players that I've picked that are greater than $11 to run in the top 20. Now, that's uh, ma- mathematically, that doesn't sound right to the ear in a well, golf tournament, does it? You, you, I mean, it's, it's still, there, there's still the element of lottery in, 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 in betting on golf. Obviously, it's, it's uh, you know, we, we see uh, favourite get up. Uh, when Tiger plays, he would have won as a favourite numerous times. Rory's got up as a favourite. Uh, so those days we can't win on our long prize tips, obviously. But the the top twenty players, you will inevitably find two or three that are unfancied. Mm-hmm. Uh, last week we got Scotty Brown, uh, we got Charlie Hoffman at eight dollars eighty. Um, That's ridiculous. Other guys, well, Charlie Hoffman. Charlie Hoffman for a ball striker of his capabilities at this golf course. That's madness, isn't Charlie it? Charlie Hoffman's eleven dollars fifty this week. So he's not one of our give our podcast beat tips, but I can assure you that he's worth having something on because I've backed him about four times and he's got up every time at big odds. So the market tends to discount the guys who who are not winning regularly. And consequently, that's where the opportunity lies for people like us who are, if you might say, are uh, counter-cyclical punters. So I think this is when I thought before I started this week that it would be a week in which I would be having very few tips and be quite happy with with, uh, almost having a rest period, I was forced by the market to actually have a bigger go than normal. Part of the reason those bigger names are the bigger names is because we know they lift for the biggest events. And this is one of the five biggest events. We may or may not get into the discussion about whether or not it's a major at some point. It's kind of... I hope we don't. Well, it's halfway there, I think, whether you like it or not, these last few years. So you can understand why the bookies might be tentative in, in that way, can't you? But at this particular course and this particular tournament, 
It has thrown up winners as diverse as Fred Funk and Greg Norman. Now, you could not get further apart on the scale of golfers and style of play than those two, could you? And we see it happen here often. So in a funny way, this is a real tournament for the long shots. Well, I get you. I get that. But you also failed to mention Craig Perks. Craig Perks, of course. Craig Perks didn't win another event on the US Tour. And he came he never out of, chip like that again, did he? What, did he hole well, out three he, times in the three, last three he, holes he from did, off the green? He did. But he came from Palmerston North, Craig Perks. He had a bit of a checkered he, – he, he had elements of Patrick Reed about him at one stage. But you've got to say – well done to him because he's carving out. I think he's one of the better commentators out he's there. He's a good analyst, isn't he? I like him. You're he's right. well. He, he's easy to listen to, um, and you know, as you know, Rod, Kiwis aren't that easy to listen to in most cases. But he is easy to listen to, and he, he's very uh, observant. He's, he doesn't. Um, he lets the picture tell the story, so he, he does a good job at the commentary, and. You've got to admire the fact that if they do make this a major, um, he's going to finish up with one major in his career. Um, and as you say, the, it is likely that, that McElroy will finally win. Um, although you've got to start to be very suspicious about it. He, he's almost an updated version of Charles Howell III. He, he, he gets himself into phenomenal winning positions and he finds a way to get out of where he can't win. And I find that intriguing because... What do you reckon it is, Jay? I mean, he's clearly got all the talent in the world. You've only got to watch him play. A non-golfer would watch a lineup of golfers and pick Rory as the best of them. He's got more talent in his pinky finger than most people who play professional golf are born with. And yet, for his extraordinary consistency the last couple of years, he hasn't been a prolific winner. Earlier in his career, he was probably more inconsistent, win or missed cut. Now he seems to be more – well, your top ten's just about every tournament that he plays in, which means you've had a chance to win most times if you're in the top ten. But it just doesn't seem to close off. What are the shots that you see? Is it, is it a physical or is it a mental thing, do you reckon, with Rory? Well, I think it's all mental. When he, well, no, I think – no, that's not probably not the way I do see it. I see the first part of it as mental. When he was a young guy and he came out on the tour with huge expectations, not quite Tiger-like but not far away, he was very dodgy on a three-footer. Very dodgy. And I thought to myself, this thing is going to come and bite this kid somewhere. And he went along and he, I think he had quite a bit of uh, psychological help. And he's resolved the three-foot issue. He doesn't miss very many of them now. But he, but he misses – he doesn't hold very many putts um, from 15 to 20 feet that perhaps you need to do at this level to, to win these events. But – I come back to this as the real reason I think is is mechanical. In order to be as long as he is at at five foot eight or nine, and you know eight or nine stone ringing wet, um, you have to have a lot of levers, and you have to have a lot of a lot of leverage, a lot of movement, and the very thing that makes him such a long driver. I think means that he's far, far less accurate with his pitching clubs. If you ever look at the great pitchers, um, Seve was a bit different. Seve had a lot of movement, but Seve had a touch of genius as well. But if you look at guys like... Um, Stricker comes to Stricker's mind. Stricker's a great example. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the guy that's won the British Open and the... Uh, uh, Marco Mira. 
Well, Amira was very good. Day so, is a very... Now, Jason Day's, in my view, is his model. But there was one other guy that I was thinking about. Uh, Zach, Zach Johnson. Johnson. Mm-hmm. Zach Johnson. Uh, those guys have a one-lever pitching and chipping technique, which is which which goes back to a guy called Paul Runyon who who came out with the Runyon method, which was basically uh, a one-lever system so that you... You set the club up on the ground with your arm extended and you kept the relationship between your arm and the club face consistent without any wrist cock. Now, Jason Day has obviously been taught that by Colin um, Swanton. Colin Swanton. And uh, he's a fantastic example of what you can do. He's got leverage in his long swing. But he's got zero leverage in his shorter swings. Now it looks mechanical around the greens, doesn't it? But it's not. He plays the most beautifully creative shots when he's playing well around the greens. Beautiful little flighted shots with controlled spin and controlled trajectory. Well, it certainly uh, doesn't look awkward to me. I can assure you of that. But <laughs> but, uh, but but he that's that to me is the explanation of you see Rory. He's hitting a wedge more often than anybody. A gap wedge. Uh, you know, I I think personally that if if I was playing from where he was, I could beat him. You know, I certainly get closer than him anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure there's a lot of players that feel that because he misses the flag by 40, 50 feet regularly, left left particularly. Um, and I think that's a technical th- issue. So I, I've thought about this the last couple of weeks is what would he do? And I think the Jason Day method where you – have a restricted length of backswing, you have a zero wrist cock if you can avoid it and a nice follow-through, and all of a sudden the ball can't go crooked. You, 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 the face isn't actually coming in shut or open. So that to me is where those problems are arising. And I still think there's that little weakness with his putter that where he holds a lot of putts when he's going well, but when he's under pressure, he doesn't make quite as many. I agree with you, but I think whilst it shows up very obviously with the putter, I think it's really Rory's personality. When he's good, he's almost unbeatable, and when he's not, he beats himself. I think that's absolutely right. And you can almost see it by the way he walks. People watch Rory closely, you'll get plenty of chances to look at him. If he gets it going this week and he's confident, watch his gait. He starts to bounce like a kid almost, like a teenager who's got too much energy and needs to get to the next destination immediately, in a hurry to get there. And when he gets like that, he plays the most amazing free-flowing golf. But there are other times when you look at Rory and you can tell from looking at him, it's not going particularly well. And it's not that he's not trying, but he just seems to be wired in a way where his emotions really kind of drive the results. And when he's it, as a spectator, it's absolutely worth it because the times when he's good – I don't think we've seen anybody even close to as exciting as Rory since Tiger. He is by far and away the most entertaining of the golfers to watch for well, mine. Well, when he won those, you know, major tournaments by seven, eight, ten shots, he was phenomenal. But I often watch his body language, and to me, he looks like a kid who's had his toys pinched sometimes. Sometimes. Well, look, it's easy to look at blokes with lots of money, which he's got, and think everything must be simple. But we know things aren't that simple, don't we? Making money and having a lot of money brings with it its own separate sets of problems to not having any money. Now, they're preferable problems, but it doesn't mean that life's all fantastic smooth sailing. Some have made the mistake in the past 
of giving the responsibility for the money over to others. And we've seen that backfire to lots of athletes over the years. Nicholas. So he can't just ignore it and go, look, you look after the money. And don't. He, He's got to think about all of that as well as the golf. And so whilst life is easier in lots of ways, it's not without its difficulties. He's got a wife. He's got a couple of houses to worry about, more cars than you and I to worry about. When the engine light comes on in my car, at least it's only one I've got to worry about. Sure, I don't have a spare, but I've still got to worry about it. So it's, and I feel like Rory's more human in a lot of ways. You, particularly the last couple of years, you've seen him in the press. He's been fantastic this week at the players. He's had a couple of great lines in the press. The press conference there. He's taken all that responsibility of, of, of speaking against the golf Premier League, which has probably not gone down with a lot of well with his, a lot of his contemporaries who stand to make an enormous amount of money out of it. So there's other things at play aside from just the golf. So. I suspect the golf course is a real sanctuary for Rory. He looks forward to the moment when he can just put the peg in the ground and forget about all that and go back to the whole reason he does all this, which is to play golf. And when it's good, he's like a kid again. He does manage that side of the things a lot better than most people, I yeah. think. I don't, I don't think he's, he's – he's certainly not as structured as, uh, as a lot of those guys with uh, IMG behind them. Mm-hmm. Um, he took control of his own. I must tell you, Rod, is I, – I, I don't. I had a Rolls Royce for a while in a twenty one room mansion, and I can tell you what I had a lot of problems in. Yeah, and uh, I, don't have, I don't have either of those things now, and I've got a lot less problems. That's right. I've got to worry about a hip and walking down to the walking down a few stairs every day. So yeah, I, and I think the issue that he took on taking on the Premier Golf League the other day was a bold step because I don't. It doesn't seem to me like it's going to get any traction. But what he did by coming out like that was destroy the opportunities for the other players to negotiate a better deal for them wherever they are now. Look, you, you can have all sorts of theories about whether it's a good thing or not for golf, but I like the fact that the stance he ultimately took was an ethical one, which said, I don't like where the money's coming from. Saudi Arabia's paying for it, and I don't like that, that aspect of it, as much as anything else. And I think good luck to him for that. Because um, he doesn't need the money. None of them need the money. The, the crazy thing about the... Golf Premier League, J.E., is it's, going, it's only going to help the segment of golf that needs no help at all. <laughs> well, I think the, there's a problem with that attitude, you know. I'm going to explain it to the you. Saudi, the Saudi one. Yeah, I'm going to explain it to you in this way. The dollar, the note, has no morality because it's passed through many hands and they could be the hands of a crook. They could be the hands of Mother Teresa. Um, or both, in fact. Well, uh, it's every possibility that all uh, areas of um, all the part of the spectrum might have all had a hand of it. But so money, my view is this is the the players are entitled to earn as much money as they can. Mm-hmm. The 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 professional golf is in, is in fact the 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 rarest of rare capitalism. Uh, in 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 in, in, in absolute certainty, um, tennis players they go along and they uh, they get paid to be there. They get paid accommodation. They uh, they quite often uh, almost all of them run a pretty easy life. Golf pros, you've got the very positive side of of uh, six or seven Ferraris, free and Polder. And you've got the very negative side of a guy like um, 
Bill Rogers, who won uh, two or three majors, finishing up as a club pro. You know, so so you there's there's a there's an element in professional golf of of um, um, extreme sticks and extreme carrots. Mm-hmm. So I don't have a problem with them earning whatever they can get for doing whatever they can and paying and whoever pays the piper take it because the the only have a look at I guess the best example is um Michael Schumacher. Michael Schumacher's at one stage he's he's the greatest racing driver of all time. Now he's a vegetable we think. He's got nothing he's he's got to survive on all the money that he created and he's got a terrible life. Um so to me, I don't have a problem with the morality of where the money comes from. It's got to come from somewhere. And what about the intent? And, and all money, all money's tainted. Okay, so two points there. No question. Look at the purse of any PGA Tour event. You wouldn't have to dig too far to find a company that's got something shady going on in the background and questionable morals that are providing it. However, the only point I would make is this. There is no question that 100% the intent of Saudi Arabia with sponsoring the Golf Premier League is not to do anything for golf or even for entertainment. It is to to Im- improve their image in the broader world. Just right. no job, exactly. And so the intent, more so than the dollars themselves, is a problem that I that I think I, I, I admire Rory for standing up and saying so. Um, well, you've, you've and lots will, and, and some won't, but I do. I think that's well. Good other, on the, some of the girls have done the same thing, and 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 I, I applaud them for their moral well, stance. They, they can't afford it. The girls. Yeah, well, they, they <laughs> have, some of them have. Some of them have, and I, and I applaud them for their moral stance. They're, they're being true to themselves. Um, I mean, as you say, travellers' insurance. No oh, insurance. Uh, well, hello, <laughs> the insurance uh, industry. You know, um, Walmart. Uh, exactly. You say the big problem is is that you that is is that with us, the tour has got a system where by dint of it being a charitable organisation and an enormous sums are going to charity and you only have to watch uh, the Memorial Tournament and see the amount of money that Jack Nicholas has uh, generated for um, for children's hospitals to know that there is some very, very good things that come oh, out of that no, particular system. No question. And, uh, and, and uh, could we have the same thing without all these other issues? Probably not. So you've got to, to a degree, I think, be... Be rational enough to say, um, is there a line you can draw? I mean, can we we drew the line with a part eight? Um, New Zealand wouldn't play against them. New Zealand wouldn't send a team that didn't contain Maoris to, to uh, South Africa, and they effectively stopped the part eight. Mm-hmm. Um, so there perhaps is a line. Where's that line? It's a personal line, isn't it? Maybe it is, and, and maybe it is. Maybe it is. So, I mean, who could possibly find the Saudi situation where they murdered the um, and dismembered the uh, the journalist as, as anything but abhorrent? And um, um, and and the fact is that that the guy who now looks like he's going to get control of Saudi Saudi Arabia might make the rest of them look like little Lord Fauntleroy because he's just about to kill his two brothers and his cousin. So. Maybe we do need to take a stand against Saudi Arabia. I like Huggy's thinking on this, which is, I don't know where the line is, 
but I know that Saudi Arabia is on the other side of it, which is <laughs> <laughs> a which is a bit of a cop out, but I think it makes. I'd the point probably answer. agree with it. Let's go. We <laughs> should be a rare thing, I suspect. <laughs> Let's get. Back. I know Huggy and I got on quite fine when I started Huggy's telling. Got, I, I was going to get him to do a, a program on the fly, but the fly was terrified of being exposed. Huggy's, he uh, Huggy, yeah, you don't want to need his, his reputation to go international. That won't be profitable for him. Let's get on. We'll come to the South African ladies after the Players Championship, I think, because we've already started on the Players Championship. So. Uh, you were saying that there was some fantastic value odds in amongst the field. Who have you got for podcast? Peter, are you squinting? Why don't you put your glasses on? I oh, know well, I'm squinting because I've because um, you got to try and read your own handwriting. No, 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 no. Do you want no, me to no, tell you? Got, I've got a few issues with my eyes. I've always had a few issues with my eyes. Now, okay, so the winners, the winners. Who, who have I got? You better tell me who I've got there because I haven't got it here. Aaron Baddeley and Pat Perez both at a thousand dollars, which just seems an outrage to me. Yeah, well. The thing about it is, I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I've got a nine at a thousand. Nine players. If you're in yeah. the. And now, the players is, and this is the whole point about this fifth major thing, it's the best field in golf all year. These are the 125 most qualified players in, in any given year. How can any of them be a thousand to one, let alone nine of them? Well, I'll tell you what. Of the, I'll tell you the form of these guys. Tyler Duncan. He won in December. That's about, my calculations, that's about three months ago, right? Podcast, Pete, that's a free tip. He wasn't marked to be given away. Well, I'm going to do a bit of this because it's... It's, <laughs> it's, it's your podcast. You can do what you want. Christmas, yeah. <laughs> yeah fair enough. And, uh, and we got your old mate, the bloke I, that you, you failed to win. Uh, I think the sum that you lost was uh, 4000 uh, which would have been handy for your podcast business. It would have. I could have bought some new microphones fella and called Nate Lashley. Yeah. He won... Uh, and he's been impressive since too. He's he's popped his names popped up on the leaderboard quite a bit. He's a thousand dollars. So you think to yourself, well, that's why I was not, I was going to have a bet, and then all of a sudden I thought, just a minute. Um, now the other guys who I tipped there for the win. I'm going to play this game too. If you can play this game, I'm going to. I tell you who I think is the best value in this list of nine that you've got here at a thousand dollars is Scott Brown who finished runner-up to Adam Scott at the Genesis, what, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, and has played solid since. Started with a 66 last week. So $1,000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Well, he's not I, the I don't only think you'll one. win, but no. you almost can't afford to not be on him. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm going to make the Nate Lashley mistake here. You know that, don't you? I'm now not going to back He's not the one. He's not the one. I'll tell you the guy I'll tell you the guy I'm going to throw out here that it wasn't in my tips, so no. I think we'll win this tournament. Okay. One out. Sam Ryder. Okay. Why? Form's been unbelievably consistent in the, the recent big events, and uh, just he's just a, he's one of those guys you just say his time is coming. Okay. So so that's so we've named just about everybody. Yeah, I was going to say is, that's about all the picks. But I have got a lot of tips this week. So yeah. so so uh, subscriber Steve is still going to get enormous value by uh, by paying his subscription. I'm only going to look fee. at a couple that aren't at a thousand. I've got to tell you, it's almost a bit hard to decide. If you had to pick one, it'd be hard. There's some very generous, good value ones. Let's go to well, the top. 20. Well, I'll tell you what. We'll just go through the reason for this. Is the reason for these big prices at this end of the paddock is because Rory's at eights, DJ's at twenty fives, Tommy. Is at twenty five. Scott's at thirty. Shaflay's at thirties. Fowler's at thirty fives. Leishman's at forty fives. Rose is at sixty six, and he hasn't been playing well, but he plays well on this course. Jason Day at sixty six. The one I thought was the only one of those players who I would consider backing. Mm-hmm. So all of those. And he's got a dud back. 
All of those <laughs> players are under the odds. He might not get to the first tee, uh, one, one or two rounds. And then you've got Garcia and, and so on. And then there's a whole lot of other players that I don't think have got any hope here because of their previous performance at this course. Um, so all of these guys, these are the guys I thought might have had a chance. So you say to yourself, well, wait a minute, all these guys that are under 66 to 1, there's your market. You only have to have 50 guys at um, 50 to 1 and you've got your 100%. So, so I just think um, the, to this, this week, which I thought was going to be a very uh, parsimonious week, has all of a sudden I've become very generous. What drives that, J.E.? Is it the bookies who set the prices or is it the punters who put down the money? Golf of all the sports seems to me that it probably attracts more, this is the wrong term for it, ignorant money than anything else. People back players they've heard of. They don't actually study the game, form, form at the course for the most part. And we see it at most of the big events. I mean, they'll install Tiger at five to one for the Masters in August the year before. And he might die in the meantime. Exactly. Is it the boogies that drive that or is it that ignorant money that forces well, them It's a combination. just in case? It's a combination. Um, the bookies can put up prices early doors, uh, what they call the pre-post market. They can put up the prices and they might bet to 350%, right? Now, 350% odds is a 250% profit for them, right? Because it, a hundred's the, mark, the benchmark. So, so let's assume you say, right, I think Rory McIlroy is certainly to win the Players' Championship and, you, and they've got him at $12. So you go in and you throw a couple of grand on that, right? And all of a sudden, his price comes down to ten dollars, and then down to eight, which is what's I'm sure happened here. He would have a lot of money on him this week, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that's exactly what's happened here. Is I don't think he would have been eight to one in the early betting. So, but he, he shortened up, right? So, so what happens is the punters go and they pick and choose, and they'll back Leishman because he's been in form. They'll back uh, Tommy because uh, you know they they think it's his turn to win. They'll back DJ. Who's because he's got a phenomenal record at this course, and so all of a sudden the money's going down that end of the park, and the rest of the poor sheep out the end there, nobody's got a penny for them, um, and so they drift out because. So in other words, the market is predetermined by Bet Three Six Five, uh, in particular, and other betting agencies as well will probably follow them, and then from then on. The punter determines the market by the weight of money. And and as you say, the the mug money is the money that follows the crowd. Yeah. Because once you've followed the crowd, um the there's it's it, there's no value. There's no value. You know, the value's disappeared. You know, the value might have been in a bookie mistake where the bookie says, uh, say Justin Rose. Well, Justin Rose, he hasn't won for a while, he's playing poorly. Uh, we'll put him out 150 to 1. Well, you do that. They did that with Kevin Nair last week. They came from the clouds to back him. They backed him from 160s into 90s. So so the market's predetermined in principle by the bookmakers, uh, in particular Bet365. They're the largest bookies. Um, and then it's uh, it's... It's the they they tend to leave their odds up those guys and just bet because they've got so much value with the prices they've set 
that they're going to win over a long period of time. So they don't change their prices. Doesn't matter who wins, Betfair they're not going to lose. fluctuates. That's right. Like, that's where why I, I tend to bet on Betfair. It's got two advantages. You can bet back if you do get a big result, uh, look, in, in prospect. Um, as we discussed with the tier in our eye last week, we had uh, both of the players in the in the playoff and the guy who got beaten a shot all coming down the last hole level um, to win in uh, Oman? Uh, Qatar. Qatar, in Qatar. Yeah, sorry, they're, they're next door to each other. And uh, so at that stage, we've got $1,000 and we've got $350, the winners, the potential winners, mm-hmm. three guys in it. We could have laid, they would have been $3.50, $2.80, $4. You just lay them. Right? Go and make a cup of tea. Go and have a cup of tea. Just so lay them and continue to lay them. Make it a surprise to see how much and, you've won when you got well, that. Well, you couldn't believe it. But what had happened is if one of them won, you won the stake that you got him down to, which might have been, say, uh, three or 4000 as it turned out. Uh, the other one wins, you win a couple of thousand off him. So you not only win the 3500 off the winner, you win 2000 off the other bloke. So... So that's where betting on Betfair is is such a such a hoot at the end of if if you actually get it right. You've just got to get them into contention, don't you? With that's the key to it. You can get them in contention, you can now back them to lose, and it doesn't matter what happens, you're going to win. Get them something. in contention in the last round, yep. particularly after the start. If 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 a guy that's twelve to one because they don't think he can win in the start starts birdie birdie, he shoots down from twelve to one to three to one in no time. So so that's where your opportunity lies, and. Um, um, we better move on. We're, we've got to keep doing it because it, it, it makes sense. But now we've got a couple of top twenty, top twenties, and we've got. I think we, we've got Badley, and um, you've got him in there. But he wasn't marked for podcast, Pete. He's, he's like Christmas for podcast, Pete, this week, isn't it? I've got you with Chris Stroud. Is the one that you, you've seen? Yeah, well, here. Chris Stroud. He's he's run tenth uh, and eighth in this tournament in the last six years, and he's thirty eight dollars. For the top to finish in the top, top 20. twenty, so he's got to make the cut and finish in the top. If he makes the cut. He's, he's he'll probably going to run in the to, in the top forty. Yeah. If he if he moves up to the top twenty, he's thirty eight dollars. That's just. Now, uh, I only need one of my selections to uh, to run into uh, the top twenty, and uh, I make a profit. If two of them run in, I make a huge profit. So at these odds, so so. Um, Stroud and the other guy, as I said, was Badley, who who um, $16. who's $16.50. 50 to run in the top 20. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think that they're ridiculous odds. Yeah, uh, it's set up by this this very short price market at the bottom of the... Yeah, it's a very skewed package. And you've got two in here, and you've got two here listed for the top 40 as well. This is the one that you started to double with a couple of months ago, top 40s. And I've got to say, these look... Well, basically, if you make the cut, how many are making the cut? Sixty-five. So you got to finish in the top two thirds to get a result. Yeah, they're not as good. I put them in just for for uh, tips for podcast. Pete uh, Perez and Badley at five point six and six. Um, uh, but I'll have some more tomorrow morning for subscribers, subscribers Steve, because the the prices on the top forty are the slowest to get going. And uh, I know that there's going to be some. There'll be some that'll be ten, twelve, fourteen dollars for the top forty. Which is just ridiculous, uh, ridiculous odds um, for the remembering that some of these guys have won on the U.S. tour yeah. in the last six months. Yeah, 
It's extraordinary, isn't it? Absolutely extraordinary. It's, it just, it, 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 well, I can only imagine how skewed it would be if Tiger was teeing up. Tiger's not playing this week. His back is still stiff, apparently, so everything is geared towards the Masters for him, so he's decided to take the week off. If he was here, you would see the ignorant money coming out of the woodwork. I, I can recall times when Tiger started at 5-1 to one yeah, be for 20, a golf tournament. Tiger I mean, be, we know he's be, winks in terms of golf, but 5-1 yeah. to one is absurd for any player in a golf tournament. 8-1 to one's absurd. Yeah. You know? Tiger would be 25-1 in this field because... That everybody is aware that he's a very, very dodgy proposition from his yeah. from his back perspective. Right, let's go to the South African Ladies Open quickly. I think we've had a, it's been a good discussion about the uh, the players and a bunch of other stuff there. Uh, this one won't garner a whole lot of attention either publicly on television or amongst the minds of golf fans, given what's going on in Florida. But there is still a market. There is still betting, and you've found some value. The South African Ladies Open on the Lady European Tour. Betting on B365, I'm going to let you pronounce this name because I have got no idea how it should sound. Yeah, well, the, the South African ladies open... Um, strong golf tours in South Africa. Both the local yeah. men's and women's tours are well, strong tours. Well, there are, and that's that's a very good point you make there. Um, there's a, there's plenty of competition, and, and, and I guess people would be aware that South Africa is, if it isn't equal with... Um, uh, Australia in terms of um, top performances in top events have probably won more majors than uh, than Australia and uh, and the players that come out of South Africa, the, the male players anyway, I'm not really in a position where I can judge the female players at this stage but the male players under pressure I think are the best in the world, pound for pound Numbers for numbers, you know. Earl's just won his first over fifty event this weekend. You know, you look at Gary Player, isn't he? Gary Player got two hundred percent out of his game and and was able to win. um, Mentally shoveled the sand a couple of times, but however, he never mentioned it. Gary, he's never mentioned his own performance or no about his own career. He's a very quiet sort of a bloke and quiet. Yeah. Doesn't say much. He's hey man. I want to tell you. <laughs> I tell you this. I've got to tell you this story because it's a beautiful story. I I was reading the paper in the. I think the Australian Open must have been at um, Kingston Heath, and I don't think I don't think Gary won it. I think I think Chucky Fowler might have won it. But anyway, Gary's interviewed in the paper the the next morning. The the Age, and he, he, he the headline is. Man, I want to tell you, this is the finest golf course I've played in my life. I tell you that, you know. And I'm reading this, and then I go out to play a practice round at the Chrysler Classic at Royal Melbourne. See, so well, it might have even been the first round. Anyway, I go around, and I'm sitting down in the clubhouse. And Gary comes up, and he says, "Oh, boys," he said, uh, "You mind if I join you for a sandwich and a cup of tea?" I said, yeah, no, Gary, sit down. You know, introduced ourselves. I'd never played with Gary. I'd, I'd, I'd watched him when I was growing up and then I played against him on many occasions, but I'd never talked to him, see. And he sits down and he picks up the pencil on the table and he says, man, I want to tell you, <laughs> this is the finest <laughs> pencil I've seen in my life. And I thought, I pissed myself laughing. I thought, I thought... Here is a guy who deals in superlatives, yeah. right? And, and it's, it's like, you know, this is the best yogurt, the finest red wine, the whole deal. And so I've always, to a degree, discounted his opinion as a result. Yeah. 
I don't doubt that about player. The story about him that I think resonates with me the most and explains to some extent his extraordinary record, given, as you say, some of his physical limitations. He's only a small bloke. He wasn't anything like Nicholas or Palmer. But he's the guy who, the week they're putting on slow greens, is in the hotel saying to all the other players, man, I love slow greens. There's nothing better than slow greens on a golf course. And then the next week when they're putting on fast greens, there is nothing I love more than fast greens. And the thing about it is Gary believes it at the moment. At that moment, he believes it. And as you well know, Jay, there's never been a player win a golf tournament hating the golf course he's playing on. just doesn't happen. Oh, that's a very interesting thing because I remember the Von saying to me one day, we had a game. I used to play – the Von used to help me, used to teach me at Moore Park. But we had a game a couple of times and the Von said to me, he said, what are you doing blaming yourself? He said, didn't you see that spike mark? You miss a putt, you know. He said, this was a spike mark. Yeah, that's you right. can never blame yourself, no. he said. What you got a caddy for? It's 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 their fault, right? <laughs> or it's, right. it's it's the fault of the course, the fault of the green. It's never your fault. And right. don't be, you got to believe that? Now, yeah. Gary, Gary absolutely believes it. He got it right. Never made a mistake so, in his life. Yeah, he's, it was very interesting watching Gary because um, I think the first time I saw him was about nineteen sixty nine or nineteen seventy, and. He was all arms and legs. You know, if you look at Rory, Rory was bigger than Gary, but not a great deal bigger. And and Rory looks like a, a, com, a complete, uh, wonderful, continuously accelerating swing. Gary was all over like a dog's breakfast. He had the big sway. He had a lot of lower body movement. Um, he, the, the club was never pointed at the, you know, parallel to the target at the top. There were a lot of things going on. And you see the next thing, you see him on top of the leaderboard, you know. And so his record's phenomenal. So anyway, the, the reason we got onto this... Uh, What's the old saying, Jay? Very, don't look at the swing, look at the shots. Well, you gotta, <laughs> well, even the shots didn't look right to me. You know, they sort of had this dodgy flight. But anyway, the point I was making, which got us into this long discourse, was that the South African players have got a propensity to win. And genetics being what it is, the girls have probably got it too. So... So my tips here are all South African girls, all who've been playing the Sunshine Ladies Tour and all who've been doing very well, quite surprisingly well. Now, will they turn up at the, South, at the level, the next level up for them, which is the South African Open? We don't know, but at least we know we've got players in form who, if they can make the step up, are going to be well over the odds. And the first one is Nobule Diamini. I don't know. Nice, if I got that very right. nice. I don't know if that's her name, but no, there's a collection no of letters Bull. on my page here that doesn't not resemble no what Bull you just Diamini. said. Uh, now, if I'm wrong, and the South Africans can ring me up, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give you Rod's number. <laughs> and uh, we've tipped her, and I thought she was phenomenal value in this event. She's got a fantastic record, and uh, she's $276 each way on Bet365. The reason we're betting on Bet365 is because nobody else is betting on it. So we've got a bet there if we want to have a bet. Um, my second uh, tip was an, a young uh, South African girl called Nicole Garcia, who's at $176, and she's also had uh, five top tens out of the last seven starts, uh, hasn't missed a cut. Um, we'll have to come out and uh, win our own uh, national event. Not an easy task for a young person. And then the third one is, uh, oh, good. 
Terrific. All right, I think it's Benita. Is it Benita? Benita. Yeah, Benita no, Breedenham. That's my. That was my writing. Not that I couldn't say it. Benita Breedenham. And I thought Benita was short uh, compared with the other two. I thought she on 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 previously known performance uh, she should have been probably two fifty, but she's a hundred. But I I wanted to find three girls um, who had a chance in South Africa. I think the girls that are going to be there are South African. The favourite is Ashley Buhai, who well known to Australian uh, um, golf watchers. She's been out here a few times, and she's played quite well. But I can't she might, see she might have won this tournament at the age of fourteen, if I'm not mistaken, the South African Open. I think you might be right. She yeah. certainly won a couple of tournaments you know, she has as an amateur and as a young. She, yeah, amateur. she was Very actually impressive. she was she's married. Ashley Simon. Yeah, she was actually Simon. Yeah, yeah. Good no, player. you're right. Well, well, the question is, is there an Ashley Simon, Ashley Buhai amongst the young South African girls? I think there could be. So that's why we've gone um, away. There's no top 20, no top 40 betting anywhere. So all we've got is uh, the each way, which is first, obviously you get $275 the win for Nabil Damini, and you get $64 the place, $64 first five. So... They're just um, uh, following the normal pattern of trying to find the uh, the new blood. And, uh, Rod, um, let's hope we have another winning week. We've had two brilliant weeks in a row. Well, J.E., I've not seen a pep in your step like this for quite some time. You look very happy, very bubbly. You're rosy of cheek and you, you're glib of nature. It's fantastic to see. It's been wonderful to catch up with you today, and I'm glad I've got to, uh, to finally come and visit you. I didn't get a chance to visit you in the hospital, so nice to come and see that you're looking well and coming along nicely. I like all of those tips you've got in there, including the ones for subscribers, Steve, that the rest can't see. It's been great to chat today, mate. Look forward to catching up next week, where you'll no doubt be rolling around in piles of cash. Always glib, Rod, as you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Episode 33 in the books. We'll be back again next week on Risk and Reward.